Good morning, Ketors. It's day seven, and I am fasting again. I'm going to fast for sure every Monday, every Sunday and Monday. I don't think I'll take it to a third day, but uh, I'm preparing today for my first fasting day. And what I do is I get up a little early. I don't have to get up that much early because I'm not preparing any meals for the day or breakfast. Excuse me, I have to drink a little bit of this water so I can fit the, uh, um, the Bragg's apple cider vinegar into it. But that's what I drink. I put a tablespoon or so, I don't really measure it, I just pour it in, into a bottle of water, 16 ounce water. And I drink that, that's the first thing I drink while I'm at work. And then I have a couple other bottles of water. One of them has the Morton salt in it, so that I'm not losing out on my sodium because I'm not eating that day. Then, when I come home, I have to drink water, but I will allow myself one Snapple. I just want to make sure that water is the main thing that I consume on my fasting days. No coffee, no cream. I will miss them, but I'm doing this for a good cause. And coffee will be there. So, this leads me to my topic this morning, which is operating out of lack. And this is what I do. I still do that. I operate out of a sense that whatever I need is not going to exist. I'm not going to have enough of it. It could be enough paper towels. It could be enough money. It doesn't matter what it is. But operating from that perspective means that you live in anxiety and fear. You're never going to have enough love. You're not going to get another job. You're not going to get a raise. No one's going to appreciate you. Nobody's going to recognize your, you know, accomplishments. All those things are operating from a sense of, of lack. You don't have enough. And if you are a food addict or if you use food for comfort, you're going to be using food for comfort quite a bit because you're never going to have enough. And you're always going to be in a state of anxiety. So that's why for me, changing my attitude to one of abundance. I live in abundance. I have enough. I don't need anything from anyone else. My happiness comes from me and my perspective, and I can work on that. Those are things I can control. That kind of thinking helps me to not feel anxious and not feel like I'm in need. I first learned that way of thinking years and years ago when I got into a Buddhist phase where I was just learning about Buddhism. I really love what Buddhism has to offer. And as a sociologist, I see a lot of similarities between um, some basic Buddhist principles, science-based, and sociology, you know, looking at the way human beings operate and, and doing it from the factual and materialistic sense. So, you know, where, where are you right now? What is around you? What objects are around you? What are your senses perceiving? And how are you taking those perceptions and then changing them based on your own, oh, it could be the area you were born in, your mood, the things you learned when you were growing up, 
um, the environment that you're in, all those things impact how we interpret what we see and hear and touch and taste. You can taste something that brings up memories. And even if the food doesn't taste that great to your palate, it might bring enough good memories to you that you want to keep eating it. It's, uh, you know, if you're a kid and you want to try drinking, you pretend that you like it because you want to seem like you're older. And you keep drinking it until it becomes a habit, whether you like it or not. I was one of those people who never really liked alcohol. Just don't like what it does. Don't much like the way it tastes. And so I luckily did not uh, succumb to any peer group that wanted to drink. But I certainly succumbed to the peer group that liked to eat. <laughs> you know, you have a bunch of friends who overeat. You feel safe doing it around each other. And so you end up going to McDonald's and all those, you know, fast food places and stuff and just stuffing your face. And because you're friends, you accept one another. So you have to surround yourself with people who reflect all of the positive things that you want to achieve and then work towards those goals together. It doesn't mean you have to abandon your friends, but you can support them in doing good things and not support them in doing what's not so good for them that they themselves have said they want to stop doing. Now, going back to that idea of lack, I remember that I would overeat certain foods because I was afraid that they wouldn't exist anymore. I had to have all of the <laughs> Dove bars because Dove bars wouldn't exist anymore. I had to have Kentucky Fried Chicken because Kentucky Fried Chicken might run out of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I had to, I remember this one food that I discovered that was chicken and you it had some sort of cheese sauce, sort of like Kraft macaroni and cheese. And I was in my early 20s and I had just moved and I loved this dish. It was easy to make and I overate them because I just knew because I loved them so much that they were going to stop making them and I'd never find them again. So you just have to stop operating from a place of want and lack and a fear that somebody else is not going to give you what you want and turn that around. Find ways to celebrate abundance that you already have and to live in gratitude. And then you won't need things from anyone else. Gives you confidence. Well, it's the end of the day, or at least the end of my eating day. It's about five o'clock. I like to finish eating a good couple of hours before I go to bed. And I go to bed early because I get up early. I get up around 3 a.m., sometimes 3.30, depending on whether I'm going to be meditating or whether I'm going to be fixing a meal. But I, I do want to get those hours to sleep in, even though I usually end up playing a game or listening to podcasts before I fall asleep. At least I'm in bed and I'm getting that rest. So um, I did not fast today. I was hungry. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to eat. So I had my usual meal. Um, I On a day where I planned the fast... Usually that means I have not eaten during the day. So when I come home, I have the rest of the day to fit my calories in. And I treat it like a regular day of calories because I don't want to get into the habit of doing a starvation mode thing where, you know, twice a week I'm eating just a little bit, like 500 or 600 calories. I think it's better just to treat it like a regular caloric day of 1,200 to seven or 1,200 to... Um, 1,700 calories, like my regular eating days. Uh, if I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast. And that means no calories. But 
If I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat. So that's how my day went today. And like I said, I was hungry, so I ate. Uh, if there's uh, upcoming days where I'm just not hungry at all on a Sunday and a Monday, then I will take those as my fasting days. I would like to fast a couple of days a week. I, I do see the benefit of that. So I'll just do it when I'm ready. So that's my report as far as the food. Um, I did do a little walking and my energy is still back and I feel great. No headache, no keto flu. I mean, it was pretty daggone amazing. I can't believe I didn't get the, the keto flu. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm going to do a better job of walking now. My Fitbit friends group on Snapchat is um, up and running. They've been going even in my absence, of course. So I asked them specifically, could you please add me back? I promise I'm going to take part. So I'm back in that group. That, that'll um, get me motivated to, to do my walking. Fitbit has been awesome to motivate me because I'm naturally competitive. I will compete against myself to do more today than I did yesterday and more tomorrow than I did last week and all of that. I, I'm always building and finding a way to do a little bit better. So um, I'm on my way. Next is my discussion with Yolanda, my my low-carb partner. And we have a show every week called Keto Time. And here's our episode, our second one of this year.